Coming up in today's show, we've got the first details about E3 2021. The Last of Us has got a casting notice, and we're talking about what's going on with Pokemon cards. And we ate Happy Meals. <laughs> Everybody and welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm one of your hosts, Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Christine Steimer. Oh, hi. And Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hi. I, I had to get <laughs> kind of funny the in there. I had to get kind of yeah. funny in there, but yes. I think I did it. Yeah. Thanks. You did it. Nailed Thanks. it. And welcome to the show, Pikachu. Pika. The best little box in the whole wide it's world so is Pikachu. Pikachu, he peeks at you. I like it. With your it's consent. A perfect song. Yes, always consensual. <laughs> Pikachu is not a creeper. No creepy um, peeking. Um, welcome to the show, everybody. This is where we talk about what is going on in the world of video games and everything here at What's Good Games is made possible by our wonderful community at patreon.com slash what's good games. So thank you to this month's Patreon producers, Chewie's Godson, Flying Cosmo, Justin Foshi, Punctified, Ferris Atia, Mohammed Mohammed, Marcus Brown, and Alex Ragopoulos. And welcome to our Patreon community, Robin Farrelly, Stephanie Sizemore, and Amonzo7. Don't forget you can be part of the show by submitting your questions at patreon.com slash what's good games you can also get the show ad free in our epic membership tier and above Brittany, looks like we got a bunch of new podcast reviewers we did it was a good good week for some ego boosting over here at what's good games we always appreciate these reviews we have nihil 72 fro fro sagans which i think is a play on the lord of the rings character right it is. Yeah. Ah, I like it. Look at me. I'm so educated. Chris Souls, the real Lord Farquaad, Gage the Senpai, <laughs> and Tan Man 43. A lot of fun names. A lot of fun names this week. But again, thank you all so, so much. Helps us in those little little Apple algorithms so people can find our show and listen to us talk about consenting Pikachu. It's true. If that's not the name of a five star podcast reviewer by next week, I'll be very disappointed. Consenting Pikachu? Yeah. <laughs> I like it. All right, who's going to do it first? Let's see. <laughs> and we want to let you know that this episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by Bespoke Post and the Fixture S1, but we'll tell you more about that later. Let's go ahead and jump into the headlines, and we have our first big E3 headline of 2021. Uh, E3 2021 is happening. Uh, dot, dot, dot. That's the news. Just kidding. We already knew that. So the ESA, the Entertainment Software Association, announced E3 2021 dates last summer when they canceled E3 due to the global COVID-19 pandemic. And they have released a statement. But the statement, of course, was predicated by a story that was leaked, which Brittany will tell you about in just a second. But the statement I will read says... We can confirm that we are transforming the E3 experience for 2021 and we'll soon share exact details on how we're bringing the global video game community together. We are having a great conversation, excuse me, we are having great conversations with publishers, developers, companies across the board, and we look forward to sharing details about their involvement soon. 
And Brittany, you wrote up the details about the rest of the story. Well, IGN wrote up the details. I'll take credit, but you know, I can't, so that wouldn't be the ethical thing to do. But yeah, pretty much Video Game Chronicle got a copy of the E3 2021 pitch documents. And it sounds like their outline is as follows. It includes having, quote, multiple two-hour keynote sessions from game partners, an awards show, a June 14th preview night, and other smaller streams from game publishers, influencers, and media partners. The broadcast event would be preceded by a media preview week, and demos would be released to the public during E3 2021 to help celebrate the future of video games. The ESA is also planning to make it possible to, quote, allow partner companies to remotely stream playable demos to the media across thousands of scheduled meetings alongside one-on-one assistance from developers. That's... This sounds like a pretty typical digital format from what we've been seeing of other similar size events going digital in the last 12 months. I think that going digital is the right call. June 15th is too soon of a deadline. We haven't heard any word from ReadPop about PAX East, but I assume that it's also going to be an all-digital event. I don't imagine that they're going to be bringing people to the Boston Convention Center in June. I hope not. Please don't. It won't be safe. It won't. It would be a very bad idea. Not yet. So we did get a question from Patreon. I almost said Patreon. Patron. TK2112. Do you think E3 going digital will become the new normal? And what's the biggest downside of this? I mean, I feel like we've talked about this quite a bit. But do you ladies have any new thoughts now that we're a year deep into this COVID pandemic? I think going partially digital is absolutely a good move. It allows people around the world to participate in E3 in ways that they haven't been able to. I don't think they will be going all digital all the time. The security concerns about video game code in a digital and virtual space is just too high in the long run for them to not do hands-on demos and private screenings on the show floor in business rooms. I don't know what it means for how E3 will change. I don't think there's anything wrong with E3 becoming more of a boutique experience and being smaller. I don't think it needs to be two sprawling halls. Obviously, we saw with E3 2019 that that didn't really work out, right? Like there was a lot of fluff, for lack of a better word, of who was exhibiting on the show floor because we had the major players pull out. And Mm -hmm. so I think that, you know, if they make it smaller, condense everything into a single hall, you really get the folks that want to be there and it doesn't feel like filler content. And then, you know, you just don't in, have as many tickets for sale. So, and that still allows publishers to have meetings with press and do things on site, but it's a smaller footprint with a digital component. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think for what we're working with, especially in 2020, when everyone kind of had a scramble, I think it worked out pretty well. I mean, I think the Summer Game Fest that hosted by Jeff Keighley went a little too long, and we can talk about that in a second. But I think, you know, granted, like, video game spending was the highest it ever was in 2020, but I think a lot of that does have to do with the fact that everyone's at home, and some people are wondering what's the breakdown between what's the correlation rather between people being stuck at home and that video game spending does E3 still have an important role to play in the industry and I think we all agree like yes it does in some capacity like you were saying Andrea I think it can absolutely afford to go more digital than it has been in the past but 
Uh, we'll just have to wait and see how things work out. And plus, it's like a six-figure. I don't know. You pro- you two probably know more how much it costs to actually attend the E3, but it's a lot of money. It's like, what, six figures at least, right? To attend E3? You mean as a publisher? Sorry, as a publisher, yeah, yeah to exhibit. M- most of the big publishers spend millions of dollars <laughs> to attend yeah. E3 between putting up their booth flying the space alone is like millions of dollars and then yeah, talk like, about the press conferences like th- like if you look at somebody like xbox and what they spend on e3 it's millions potentially tens of millions between all of the staff that they have to fly down all of the hotel rooms all of the travel expenses and then they have like the showcase that they put on and then the the footprint you know outside at chickern court they had the mixer dome right and so it's like all of that stuff costs a lot of money um, to do for multiple days at a time. I mean, there is a way to do E3. I think the cheapest booths that you could get at E3 are probably in the like $50,000 to $100,000 range. But I mean, you're not getting inside as a developer with a, a booth at E3 for less than that. That's so much money. Oh. Yeah. Any yeah. <laughs> Going back to Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest or whatever the hell it was called, he has said... The Summer of Gaming. Thank you. Yeah. He said this time that it'll be less than a month long. So to me, like, I think that's fantastic. That's wonderful. Granted, like, there's still probably people who are going to do, like, their one-off streams and whatnot. But thank God. I felt like that lasted forever. That was like a four-month thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and every person that I talk to, like... I chatted a lot with PR people that we know in the industry about was Summer of Gaming successful. And I said that I didn't think it particularly was because there was so much news spread out over such a long period of time. It was really hard for us as content creators and people who report on the news to figure out what was important and what wasn't. Because it was like, well, Sony's doing a state of play, but is it going to be a state of play where they're going to show like Horizon Forbidden West? Or is it a state of play where they're going to be like, look at this cool indie title that we've already shown two or three times, but now we're showing you a new feature. We never knew, right? Like we got very little communication from the publishers about what they were showcasing. Every once in a while, you get somebody like Nintendo who was like, this is exactly what you're going to get in this upcoming mini direct, right? But that was not the case for the vast majority of publishers. And so we were tuning in constantly to be like, is this stream going to have anything newsworthy in it? And a lot of them didn't. A lot of them were like, this is just a DLC announcement, or this is like a rehash of gameplay we've already seen. And that's like really tough for us as content creators to be like, well, what are we supposed to be covering? Because we can't cover it all. And as people consuming the media, you guys don't want to listen to all of that because you're not interested in all of that. And so that's what's great about E3 is that I know it's like a shotgun approach, but it's because it's all condensed into a single week, you know, it's one of those times where you can parse it out a lot better than trying to drip it, you know, drip feed it over like three months, which is what Summer of Gaming was. Like at the end of it, I was done. I was like, I don't want to do another watch long stream I don't want to talk about video games anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm over, I'm over it. Don't talk to me until the Game Awards were done. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm excited to see what they're going to do. If anybody can pull the industry together, I think it's going to be the ESA. And I think that them having a designated time where all of the major publishers can do their conferences back to back is super smart. Condense all the eyeballs, get them all there. That's what E3 has always been good for. And that's what I would like to see happen this year. Mm hmm. Yeah. Anywho, let's move on to the next story. It's not great news, you guys. It's not. Sorry to say. Not want. 
Uh, more drama with CD Projekt Red and Cyberpunk 2077. According to Eurogamer, The Witcher 3 source code is reportedly up for auction following a hack that happened at CD Projekt Red over the past weekend. Stolen source code for Cyberpunk 2077, free-to-play card battler Gwent, and an unreleased version of The Witcher 3 are reportedly up for auction after developer CD Projekt Red refused to cave into ransom demands by hackers following a breach of its server. Yesterday, that means several days ago at this point, CD Projekt Red released a statement claiming an unidentified actor had gained unauthorized access to its internal network over the weekend and collected a range of data. A note accompanied the attack gave the developer 48 hours to come to an agreement regarding source code and documents related to accounting, administration, legal, HR, and investor relations stolen from its servers. Otherwise, it would begin to sell or leak them online. For its part, CD Projekt Red pledged it would not give in to demands negotiate, being aware that this may eventually lead to the release of the compromised data. It also said it was taking necessary steps to mitigate the consequences of such a release, in particular by approaching any parties that may be affected. So that time period has now come and gone, and it appears that hackers are making good on their word. Tom's Hardware has reported that based on information from VX Underground that the source code samples for Gwent have already been leaked online with full code alongside that of Cyberpunk 2077 and an unreleased possible next-gen related file for The Witcher 3 set to be auctioned this week. The starting bid for the complete set is at (laughs) $1,000. I thought it was a million in another story. I will I will check on it. So I that saw, might be what it's currently Kotaku. at. Yeah. Oh, I, I just yeah. the bids. They usually start. It's like eBay, right? Yeah. The bids start super low, so you get a bunch of people bidding each other up. Let me see if I can see. What I the feel bids like I need a doctor. Evil. This. It's like someone who's like potentially going to get themselves in a whole metric fuck ton of trouble for one thousand I mean, dollars. <laughs> like what the fuck? It's not a great idea. No. No. Shit's trackable. So, question: yeah. What's what's the advantage of having the source code? If someone were to buy this, like, what could they do with it? That's so like, oh no, because the game's out. Yeah. Honest question. Like, I have no idea, but whatever. Well, you could you could do modding with it, I guess. Like, I don't know. Do they have a proprietary engine? Um. Do you know like what engine Witcher was it's built the on? The red engine, I think. I think they built it. That sounds right. So, I mean, it's possible if they have the source code that they could, you know, potentially get some trade secrets about the engine, but not really. It would definitely mean that they could hack the PC versions of the game, right? Um, I don't think that they would be able to do much with the console versions because obviously you can't really hack into the console (laughs) versions of the game. Um, That's why consoles are the best, just saying. Did Um, you guys see the uh, ransom note? (laughs) It's it's in a notepad document. I'll just read like the first sentence because it's just like, again, I can't help but laugh. I mean, it's a terrible situation, but this ransom note, it's like 10 exclamation points. Hello, CD Projekt. And then like 10 after that, you have been epically pwned. Like, literally, <laughs> epically pwned, spelled with pwned. a P. P-W-N-E-D. We have dumped full copies of the source code files. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, oh, my God. Like, who who really does that? You've been epically pwned. I'm sorry. You're making a fool of yourself, sir or ma'am or whoever you are. Anyway. but then bot. The, It's a bot. It's a, it's <laughs> a bot. It's right. Epically pwned. I just thought that was like, oh, God. Well, whatever. It is what it is. I mean, it's shitty and it's unfortunate, but I think they're going to be just fine. Oh, so it was originally a typo. So VX Underground, 
who originally reported on the auction did say the starting bid was 1000 USD, but then updated it saying a mistake was made. The starting bid is actually 1 million. Um, or you can buy it now for 7 million. <laughs> what a deal. A bunch of code that most people probably can't even fucking use. Like, yeah. Excellent. Uh, yeah, it's, it's shitty. Hackers shouldn't do this. Hack for good, you know, like, Hack for good reasons. Yes. Not not to like hold or a poor don't. group of developers at ransom for code they created. Like what a shitty thing to steal a creative work from its creator and then to give it back to them hold it ransom. Like oh, what yeah. an awful I mean I did I, thing I do to think do. it's funny that they're like, mad dog. Like I don't know what you're thinking, but we're not gonna pay you for what we've already made. Yeah, yeah. And it's like what happened with Capcom. I mean a bunch of their stuff was just stolen and they were held at ransom and they're like, nah dog, like we're not gonna pay you and they're just trucking along just fine. Sure a few things may have leaked, but their bottom dollar isn't gonna be hurting. I don't know. Yeah. Like Andrew said, hack for good. Don't be a douche. Like spend yeah, I mean, that the only time. Thing that would be interesting. Like the only thing, I mean, even this, I don't think you, anyone would spend seven million dollars on. But like, unless there was source code in here for an unreleased game, like a brand new game that they've just not talked about, like I don't know why this would be interesting to anybody. Right, that's what I was wondering. Like, what are, what are you going to do with this? You're going to sell it to someone and then cool? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe someone else knows, but I don't know. Just don't. I do hope this hacker's like twelve. I feel like they have really, to be, really right? You've been epically hope. pwned. You have a bright future ahead of you, hacker. You're clearly an intelligent human. Use it for good. Are you? Well, to, to hack all of that, that, I feel sentence. like you have to... You wrote that sentence. That's true. There, there's a difference there. <laughs> Intelligence, kind of a gray line. But yeah. <clears throat> you are, yeah, maybe technologically savvy, or maybe their servers were just really that poorly um, protected. I don't know. I've, I'm not a server person, so... <laughs> I've never tried to hack anything. Uh, Sames. I've never tried to hack anything either. But I think the idea of them bringing The Witcher 3 <laughs> to PS5 and Xbox Series X is interesting. Is. But why not, right? They've already got like a souped up ultra deluxe collector's edition, right? Available. Just let's let, let it be the next Skyrim. Put it on everything. <laughs> Just keep that train rolling. Make that money. I mean, it's one of the best RPGs ever. So, yeah. like, yeah, do it. Do it. Make that money. <laughs> and then I also, feel like I would actually, know. I'm like, I might replay that. I like, whereas with Cyberpunk again, I'm just like, hmm, whatever. <laughs> I would definitely I go back and visit The Witcher 3 if they put out a PS5 or a Series X version. Would definitely. Hit yeah. that. And they know this. People would buy it. They oh. know. Yes, they do know. <sighs> well, sorry about that, CDPR. You just can't catch a break. Hopefully, y'all get that sorted out. On to the next story. But before we do that, we want to tell you that this episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by Bespoke Post. The curators at Bespoke Post have done it again this winter with an all-new lineup of essential box of awesome collections for folks guaranteed to upgrade your life. So I recently got a box of awesome in and it contained this awesome bag that's called, I have it right here, The Weekender. And it's really fancy. It has like leather handles and straps and it reminds me of days of old when we actually used to go places for the weekend, like your house, Andrea. 
when I used oh, to go yeah. there. I remember those days. Memories. Yeah, so I'll uh, I'll keep that bad boy on standby. I'll make sure I use it whenever I see you in Samar again in person, which will hopefully be before the end of the year. Who could say? Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. So whether it's showcase pieces to level up your indoor hosting skills or cozy threads for those blustery days, Bespoke Post only sends you all the best stuff every month. No matter what you're into, Box of Awesome has you covered. From style and grooming goods to barware, cooking tools, and outdoor gear, Box of Awesome has collections for every part of your life. So if you go to the Box of Awesome website and you look around, you can see that they have a whole bunch of different items that they're offering and there's one called smoked and andrea i feel like you'd be into this one it's a cocktail smoking kit Ooh, yes Ooh. let's do it i have no idea i feel like i would burn my house down but i feel like in the hands of a responsible adult like you we could probably make some <laughs> delicious cocktails in a previous bespoke post that i got i got the little hand torch you know that you can make creme brulees with Ooh. oh yeah um, and they included a little piece of wood for smoking, and I've never actually attempted it, but if they have a whole kit just designed for cocktails... They do. Now you're speaking my language. That's what I'm saying. So if you want to get started, you can take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right box of awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories, and it's free to sign up, and you can skip a month or cancel any time. Each box only costs 45 bucks, but has over $70 worth of gear inside. So get 20% off of your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code WGG at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code WGG for 20% off of your first box. Our next story is from The Hollywood Reporter. Game of Thrones breakout star Bella Ramsey is set to star as Ellie. So this is an exclusive from The Hollywood Reporter. So people may remember Bella Ramsey as the Lyanna Mormont, one of the most amazing characters in the Game of Thrones HBO adaptation is the actress who is set to reunite with HBO for The Last of Us, the company's adaptation of the hit video game. So it's not a movie. This is a limited series. Did they HBO say? It's, it's a exactly series. What it was? But I don't know if limited series. I don't know if that's like a technical term for, you know, shows these well, days. But it's a series. Well, sometimes like a limited series means that like it's designed to be like a single season. Yeah. Mm. Like how The Watchmen was like, this is just one season. You're not getting any more seasons. That's it. We're just telling the story and we're out. <laughs> like, yeah. Ah, don't yeah, expect I'd, season two. It ain't coming. Yeah. You can beg on social media all you want. It's not happening. But like that's not in the design. So we're not doing it. Right. Even though they did say that Big Little Lies was meant to be a limited season, then they brought it back for another season, and it was re really, really good. I mean, you know. Anywho, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, one person not involved with the show is former True Detective star Mahershala Ali, whom geek websites on Wednesday had pegged as having an offer. Ali did circle the role, says sources, but a deal never came to fruition. So Mahershala Ali was being looked at to star as Joel in the series, but it turns out that offer wah, wah. did not pan out. The series is a co-production with Sony Pictures Television, PlayStation Productions, Word Games, The Mighty Mint, and game developer Naughty Dog is set to produce. Also executive producers are Carolyn Strauss, Naughty Dog's Evan Wells, and Asad Kizibash. Kizibash. There's just a Q and a Z, and it tripped me up for a second. And then Carter Swan of PlayStation Productions. Christina uh, Petrovac wants to know what you ladies think about the casting choice. And I don't know this actress because I didn't watch Game of Thrones. So I will ooh, give it to me, you. Uh, let me she show also you. is in um, His Dark Materials, which oh. is also on HBO. 
So me thinks that this girl has got some <laughs> some good ends with the HBO casting crew. <laughs> okay. Does I that face look familiar at all? If she's never watched Game of Thrones, I don't know why it would Maybe be. if I saw That's her Game true. of Thrones character, it might. Oh, was she the little girl? She's the little yes. girl. Yeah. She's the badass. The, little, the, the bear, little badass. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I remember That's everyone loved her. Everyone loved her. That's all I know of her. Yeah. yeah. Um, she's in an interesting spot because she's clearly in her teen years and like a lot of like actors and actresses that start out when they're like clearly like a child and then have to transition through puberty on screen. Like sometimes, you know, they just look a little awkward and she felt, she felt a little awkward in his dark materials. Mm. Yeah. Um, But she also was playing like a not great role. Like and I feel like, yeah, I feel like the that's more about the way that that was written and kind of directed versus her specifically. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I feel like the way it was directed, it was a very unclear, like, are these people supposed to be threatening or not? Or, like, what's mm. going on here with these people? Or, like, yeah, eh? like, it was a little confusing. You couldn't tell if she was, like, a good guy or a bad guy. Yeah. Oh. Um, and you know she was she was just neutral. There are <laughs> there is nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. Um, and but I am excited to see her like get something a little meatier because it feels like Liana is also kind of like a bit character and same thing with his dark materials. Like she's never really given the chance to fully flesh out a main character. Um, so I, I'm I'm pretty interested to see what she does with Ellie. As we're finishing recording the show. News has broken live on Twitter. That's a terrible, that's a terrible news sound. I'm sorry, everybody. Um, so Steimer has now just informed me that Deadline Hollywood has announced casting for the role of Joel in the Last of Us HBO project. So Steimer, please. Yeah. Please so I was me. scrolling through my Twitter feed and I just saw. Uh, uh, one tweet that was like it was from the game awards and they were like pedro pascal is joel and i was like and then you guys were like wait is that real and i was like i don't know so then i went through <laughs> my other my, you know the other people i follow on twitter and i saw hallie who was a writer and then i saw neil Druckmann also tweeting about it and then i saw the original which is deadline hollywood so it looks like hollywood reporter had the exclusive on bella uh, playing ellie and then deadline Hollywood had the exclusive on Pedro. Um, obviously, he stars in The Mandalorian, among other things. He is a very high-profile actor. I do not know why he went second today and also at 7.41 p.m. It's, on a Wednesday. It's super confusing. This is a huge announcement. He is super in demand right now because of his role in The Mandalorian. Like I do not know why they did not announce this first. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit of a head scratcher there, um, but it is cool. I think it. I think he'll do a good job with this. Um, I, I was just surprised. I was like, "Oh shit, yeah, okay, that works." <laughs> so I didn't know nothing about this human, but you said he's okay. in high demand. Yeah. So yeah. Pedro Pascal has been around in Hollywood for quite some time. He really had a meteoric rise after his role as the Viper. Um, on Game of Thrones, so also also H- star. H- I wonder if this HBO caster is just like the H- same HBO person. does tend to use actors in multiple projects. So I mean, look at Nicole Kidman and how many different HBO things she's done recently. Mm-hmm. Besides the fact that she's amazing, but um, so Pedro Pascal, but did not actually work with Bella 
in any of their scenes, their no. characters in Game of Thrones like never cross paths. Um, but they both worked on Game of Thrones and then he went on to do the Mandalorian. So he plays Mando, the Mandalorian, um, the title character. But obviously with the Mandalorian, we don't see a lot of his face. If you remember, Brittany, there was some controversy saying that Pedro Pascal was upset that he, you know, wants to do a role where he feels like he's actually visible because the Mandalorian wears the mask for the vast majority of the show. And there was rumors that he was going to leave the role because there was like disagreements about how the character was being portrayed. Um, they took some interesting turns with his character in the new season, which I will leave a uh, secret in case you guys haven't seen it. BT dubs, go watch it. It's really good. Um, and obviously you don't just walk away from a Disney project that John Favreau is directing. Ugh. Yeah. He kind of seems like a dumb career move. Um, and so he didn't, he's still, he's still in the, in the Mandalorian, but obviously now he's working on this HBO project as, as well. And, He's he's great. He's a wonderful actor. Okay. He also was in. I mean, this is not the world's greatest uh, movie, but Wonder Woman 1984. He was also just in that. Um, oh yes. Oh my gosh. He was he was amazing in that. I mean, his character was completely unnecessary. You could have cut him from the movie. The movie <laughs> what the character one. was he? That's a, he was the main villain in Wonder Woman. He was. Oh fuck. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> I just saw he, that. He looks. He's like stylized very differently in that movie. So it took me a minute to like. He's like the billionaire him. guy that that is oh, like the. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's uh-huh. him. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Mm, yes. Now I can talk about this at length too. Yes. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So he's he's great, and that's why I said he's in demand, right? So he's in this high level movie. He's in this high profile TV series, and now. You know, they've got him for this. The thing that I'm interested to see how he's going to handle is Joel has a very specific way of speaking. Obviously, Troy Baker did an amazing job voicing him in the video games. Um, How they're going to get him to play Joel's, like, are they going to allow him to take his own Ah. kind of take on the character? Or is he going to try to emulate what Troy did? I don't know. I feel like if I were an actor, I would not want to try and emulate something that a voice actor did just yeah. because I feel like if you don't, you're never going to get it right. Exactly. Right. There could be like elements of it. Um, Cause now as I'm saying that I'm realizing that I do feel like Henry Cavill did try to do kind of a Doug Cockle um, impression a little bit for Geralt um, in the Witcher series. I also feel like I said that that's the voice actor, right? I said, I said this name, right? I <laughs> do not. know. all right. Well, whatever. Close enough. Um, yeah. And, <laughs> and, but like it's still I mean it was still kind of his own. So I feel like maybe something along those lines where like it has a little bit of the accent but like he's not going full Joel like Troy Baker impression cuz mm. I just feel like that would be really unsatisfying as an actor. To if to be told by a director we want you to like go play this game or whatever sound exactly like this. Like but what if I want to do my own interpretation of this character? Yeah, no, of course. I think that there's got to be like a balance between yeah. honoring the character as created by the video games and then also bringing his own flair to it. Also, I don't know if we talked about this, but this is also in this deadline article. Kantamir Balagov is directing the pilot episode. Um, It is a co-production between Sony Pictures Television and PlayStation Productions. World Word Games, The Mighty Mint, which I don't know what that is, and Naughty Dog. And then, yeah, 
So, yeah. We did mention that, oh, yes. Because well, I like the way Andrea posterity. said the Mighty Mitt. I remember I, I liked it. You're like, the Mighty Mitt. Like, it was an epic like, 80s mitt. cartoon. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, I kind of, okay, I can't lie. I just wanted to read the, the Mighty Mitt. <laughs> <laughs> the Mighty Mitt is a fun name. It Whoever is a named fun that, name. good job. <laughs> All right, well, now we have got a little bit more news on that. So looking forward to seeing what Bella and Pedro do with these roles. And I think gamers everywhere are anxious to see how HBO is going to adapt this into a TV series. So we'll hopefully have more updates on you or uh, for you. We'll hopefully have more <laughs> updates for you, not on you in the future. <laughs> on to the next story. Brit, huh. do you want to take this next story? I do. I have lots of thoughts and emotions about this whole <laughs> fucking topic. All right. <laughs> the Pokemon company is reprinting trading cards due to high demand. No oh, shit. All right. So this comes from their site, their website. In situations where there is limited availability, we are actively working to print more of the impacted Pokemon TCG products as quickly as possible and at maximum capacity to support this increased demand. Reprinted products are expected to be available at retailers as soon as possible. For new TCG expansions launching in the future, we are maximizing production to increase product availability upon release and will continue to reprint the products to replenish stock at retailers as soon as possible. Thank you. Let me just say a heartfelt thank you, because let me tell you, ladies, I went to Target the other day. I needed to get some groceries and shit, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to see if I can get any packs of Pokemon cards. Literally 100% barren. There was absolutely nothing there. Not even a stray, like, pack of nothing. It was just all gone, naked, like a freshly Brazilian waxed. Wow. (laughs) You posted a photo of this too, right? I did. And it was so sad because I feel like just a few years ago, you used to be able to waltz into anywhere and find a pack of cards and relive nostalgia. But nay, nay, not anymore, ladies. Not anymore. I never thought about checking Target. I feel like you, though, Brittany, without knowing it, are a lot of times at like the forefront of like a really hip movement or whatever like you were like on the pokemon go train you were like no no, this is the thing we're doing everybody and everyone was like oh my god yes pokemon go and now you're just like i feel like getting back into trading cards and everyone in the world was like trading cards we love them we have forgotten all about them oh days of yore don't we miss them yeah, I think yeah. everyone's in the same position I am. I'm in, and obviously, like real talk, Pokemon cards are just seeing a surge. I think all trading cards right now because it's something kind of fun. It's a safe hobby to have right now when everyone's in lockdown. But the problem is, is that everyone's seeing how people are making a quick buck off of Pokemon cards. You know, there was a Charizard that just went for was like two hundred thousand dollars or four hundred thousand dollars. It was one or the it was other. A lot. It was a lot of money. And you're seeing people opening packs on YouTube and on Twitch, and they're seeing that certain cards, particularly Charizards, are going for so much money. And so you're getting, unfortunately, your scalpers who are lining up. They, they're they lining up. Uh, you know, They have connections at the people at the stores who work there. You have people who aren't even putting the cards out on shelves but before they're selling it off to their friends to split the profits. Like you're reading about all of these things that are happening. And it's just it's just kind of a bummer because, I mean, it's it's a fun thing and it's a fun, safe thing. And people just aren't able to enjoy it because, you know, where there's a quick buck to be made. Because of other people? I know, right? It's what a concept. Like other people ruin things. What sometimes. a concept. I know. So it's uh it's the way it is, but um yeah, it's it's a bummer, but hopefully, you know, with the spree printing, it'll help 
<laughs> it'll help like mellow things out, but I think it's just going to get a little bit more intense because we have some new sets coming out in February and March. I think um, Battle Styles and Shining Fates are the new expansion, the, the new sets coming out. And with those are Shiny Rainbow Charizards and one of them. And so everyone's going to be jonesing for that one. Uh-oh. Yeah. So I got to I'm on the hunt for a new Zard, but I don't even know if I'm going to be able to get my hand on a pack of those because like you just you just can't these days, you know? Well- I'll keep an eye out for, down here for you, um, which, by the way, I kept an eye out for these specialty cards that are in the Happy Meals, which is the second part of the story and why we have a Pikachu McDonald's box sitting on the studio desk. So the second part of this story is that right now, according to Polygon, Select McDonald's are celebrating the 25th anniversary of Pokemon with a promotion that turns the iconic Happy Meal into Pikachu's face. It's Exhibit real cute. A. It's so cute. <laughs> It's very cute. Battle with this cherubic container are 50 collectible cards that is 5-0, including some rare or holographic cards, and some people are mass buying Happy Meals to get their hands on them. Folks are waking up early to stake out what McDonald's are selling, the new Happy Meals, and some are apparently just buying the meals at mass numbers in hopes of getting the collectibles and just throwing the food out, you monsters! That was deeply upsetting to me because it is just such an asshole move. Throwing the food away. <sighs> we were talking about this in the car going to get these Happy Meals. I was like, there are so many, especially in Southern California. I'm like, there are so many like homeless people. And you were talking about like, there's hungry children. Like there, there, food has a use, even though I don't like McDonald's so much. Like blasphemy. Not spicy nugs. Not a life. thing that I really, I was just <laughs> like, I, I accepted my fate today and we went with it. But, I, but still I'm like, food is food. And like, there's a lot of people who are fucking hungry and would eat it. And you're just throwing it away. And that makes me mad. And here's yep. a life hack. I got angry. Is you can just ask for the cards. And I know this because that's what I did today. So Jason and I went to our local McDonald's. And we made a lovely HelloFresh last night. It was Thai chicken curry. And it was really good. Ooh. And I was like, you know, I don't really want to have that. It's, I don't want to really have McDonald's instead of that. So we, um, sorry, did you want to finish the story first? Before. No, that, just no. You're already okay. in it now. Well, because well, I'm going to touch on a point that you were going to bring up in the story. But anyway, some oh. McDonald's are p- putting limits on how many Happy Meals you can get because some people are going and trying to buy like 30 Happy Meals and throwing all a bunch of food away. And so I we asked out of curiosity, you know, is there a limit on how many Happy Meals we can get? And she had no idea like what we were alluding to. And she said, why do you just want to buy the toys? And we said, well, what are the toys? And she said, they're Pokemon cards. And we were able to buy four packs, so two for me and two for him, for $2 each. And we didn't have to waste any food. And it was all good. So you don't have nice. to do that, friends. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like this probably very depends on your McDonald's. on your McDonald's. But it's yeah. good to know that it's worth asking to see. Yeah, yeah that's, a good, that's a good pro tip. I mean, I personally wanted... This adorable little mini chocolate milk and Ooh. the little baby French fry that comes in the Happy Meal. The baby French so fries cute. are adorable. Like I just again, I looked at the. Pa- I was like, okay, I haven't had a Happy Meal in forever, um, and <laughs> but I just forgot. I'm like everything is so tiny. It's so cute. But we also said like, here's the weird part. So I looked on the website and I was like, it looks like you get fries and apples, but whatever. And then on the car, we were at the thing. He was. They were like, do you want? fries or apples and i was like oh well then i'll just get apples because like if we both not- asked for apples just trying apples. to be good we were like we're gonna have chicken nuggets but we'll get the apples and then yeah. we got so many fries like <laughs> extra fries like they gave us regular small bags of fries and the mini bags of fries in each and i was like what does this mean 
<laughs> yeah, so the little red carton that McDonald's fries comes in, that iconic carton, they make the little mini version for the Happy Meals, but then they also included a small fry. So between our three Happy Meals, because I wanted to get another card pack, uh, we got like six orders of fries. We had so many French fries. It was r- ridiculous. I it was, was like, amazing. Well, yeah. So much for that. Um, but so the reason why this is a big deal, yeah. as Brittany said, is that some of these McDonald's are limiting what you can buy. But the reason why they're doing that is not only because they don't want to see food go to waste and obviously the packaging and all that, but it appears, allegedly, that either McDonald's suppliers or McDonald's employees are selling whole packages of these Happy Meal toys on eBay, like sealed packages that are clearly designed to be opened by McDonald's employees for them to then put the individual toys into the Happy Meals are being sold on eBay. And hopefully McDonald's cracks down on that. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Adults are ruining everything, man. They're selling the literal boxes for anywhere for 1000 to $1,200 right now. Like the boxes themselves. And if you look at the cards, they're all, um, so there's 25 Pokemon in each pack and each one has a hollow and each one has a non-hollow. Obviously the hollows are worth more. But the one that's the chase card that everyone's trying to get is the hollow Pikachu. And if you look on like eBay right now, they're selling for like 70 or 80 bucks uh, a card. And you can buy the whole non-hollow set for like 45 to 50 bucks. So it's like you still can't even justify really that price, but it's just kind of goes to show you how crazy it is right now with this Pokemon scalping thing. I mean, ladies, people are literally buying boxes and packs of Pokemon cards as investments. Like that's what they're yeah. doing. They're buying it and they're it's the just new cryptocurrency. It is. is. It really is. It's just it's a crazy, crazy time right now. But um, so are we going to open these? Yeah, let's all do it. So we're hoping for a hollow Pikachu. That's like the one everybody okay. wants right now. And you get four cards per pack. Yes. And what's cute? Oh, is there hers? Is there like a? Is there like a way I'm supposed to do this? I just rip the package open. You can smell yeah, it. Whatever. You can rub it. You can do whatever makes you happy. Smell it. And in the packs, okay. you get these little like boxes that you put together, and it becomes a little cute card holder. Like yay! Oh, I got a holographic Sobble. Oh, Fennekin. I like Sobble. A hollow Fennekin. Oh, that's cute. Ooh. And then I got a, a Grookey, a Chikorita. I also got a Chikorita and a Mudkip. Got a Bulbasaur oh, you got and a, a Litten are the other two. I got a hollow Mudkip. It's very cute. Ooh, nice. A Froakie, a Chesspin, and a non-hollow Mudkip. This is the story of my life. I always pull the same card, but once oh, hollow the and double. Well, like, you know what? I can't complain. It's we okay. Can, we can rip this one together. Okay, it'd be like a Wonka bar. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. If we weren't oh, going to get a strike, no, I would play the Pokemon battle. It's not a Pikachu. We got a Chimichar. We got a hollow Chimichar. Another Grookey, a Sobble, and a Rowlet. Well, we didn't get the ultra rare, <sighs> but that's okay. It was the joy. Yes, we got to go back to McDonald's Yes, we got to go back. We got to buy 30 packs of those things, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't know. Sure. <laughs> but the the hack of asking just to buy the packs is, is a good one. Yeah. I feel like I've I've heard that before for some other ones and they wouldn't allow it. So again, I do think that that's up to your local McDonald's. It must be. Yeah, yeah. whoever is the franchise owner. Yeah, if they whoever sell them individually. But yeah, there's a story about how someone went to the McDonald's and bought 450 Happy Meals. But they just what? bought the pack. Yeah. That must have been the amount of Happy Meals they had for the day. Let How do you have a this? car that fits four Okay, hold on. Let me your face. They bought three cases, about 450 packs. That's what it was. And then they went to oh. sell it for 1200 online. Yeah. So it's like people are doing that. So if you find a McDonald's that, you know, isn't being circled by vultures, enjoy it. Relive the nostalgia. It's Pokemon's 25th anniversary. We're getting a new Pokemon Yeah. Snap. Like, have something happy. Have I was actually... 
I was commenting that although I don't really like McDonald's, I can definitely appreciate what they have done with these Happy Meals yeah. because I'm like, they've got, you know, this was an activity to do this. They've got some other activity here. The mm -hmm. cards have multiple activities. Like there's all sorts of stuff to just be like, kid, occupy. <laughs> yeah, it's really cute. And I was like, all right, I appreciate that. Little coloring. You can color. Yeah, there's a little coloring. Want. There's like another maze, maze thing yeah. on the other side. Yeah, it's really cute. But adults kind of suck. I'm glad I'm not Always. one. Just ruining it for the children. I mean, we're in a pandemic. Stop yeah, like, scalping things. Let the kids have people. something. Jesus. Yeah, let me have something. Have yeah. Oh, boy. We only bought three Happy Meals. Because there are three of us in, three in this household. House. That's so reasonable. We bought three Happy Meals. Even though I ate two of the Happy Meals, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. I was never going to tell anybody. <laughs> I just outed myself. You did. All right. Moving on. We're just going to wrap up the news here with a couple in case you missed it. Uh, there were some notable embargo <laughs> lifts this week. As Brittany's I misread a title and that made me giggle. Well, I, I thought it said Persona 5 Stinkers. <laughs> <laughs> Persona 5 Strikers um, is out in, on February 20th, actually, but the embargo lifted. And it looks like it's averaging around an 80, mm -hmm. low 80s in Metacritic. Um, Super Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury is out this week. It's out today, the day you're listening to the podcast and so far has a 90 on Metacritic. I'm looking forward to that. And Little Nightmares 2 is averaging low 80s on Metacritic as well, which is out this week as well. And also, um, Stadia announced you can play it for free if you have Stadia. So. Oh, Stadia. Yeah, that, that thing. <laughs> it's a thing. Uh, Britt, you've been playing Little Nightmares. I did, yeah. So I played it for like an hour. And I found out that I am not in the mental headspace where I'm in the mood for a puzzle platformer trial by error game. I find that mm. out very, very quickly. Uh, my patience just like wasn't there for it. So I kindly emailed the Pierre folks and I explained my situation and they were very understanding. I said, this is literally like not the game. It's me because I love the first Little Nightmares and it's more or less the same mechanic. Like you're going to die a lot until you figure out what you have to do. And uh, I've set it down for now and I will revisit it. But everyone who's playing it is, seems to be really liking it. So it's yeah. a really cool aesthetic, but yeah, just, I'm more into my trails of cold steel right now. Just give me all the anime husbandos and waifus, you know? Yeah, I feel you. Yeah. I feel you. Um, and surprising no one, Activision Blizzard has told shareholders that it isn't planning on launching Overwatch 2 or Diablo 4 in 2021. However, they do anticipate Diablo Immortals will launch this year. They also announced the full schedule for BlizzCon, which is happening next week. So if you guys want to check that out, you can head to uh, Blizzard's social media channels and we do anticipate getting a diablo update mm -hmm. and hopefully a new trailer but not a launch date in 2021 uh we'll have more details on that for you not next week because it's friday late in the afternoon that they're doing that so the following week and then sonic the hedgehog 2 is coming to theaters on april 8th 2022 I still haven't Am seen I the, the only first one. Am I the one that's excited about it? What? It's good. I mean, it's terrible, but it's good. <laughs> so you'll love it, Britt. Okay, how many glasses of whiskey will I need to enjoy it, though? Like, real talk. Well, when I saw the first one, I saw you it at the at Alamo. Alamo. <laughs> yeah, I was with you. And we had several cocktails. <laughs> so I would say at least two to get you started. And then you're going to want to drink probably another two to three during the movie. It's crazy that we saw Sonic the Hedgehog. I think Sonic the Hedgehog and like Cats were the movies that I saw yeah. in the theater. That, and then everything shut down. And I was like, 
that was my legacy was those two the fucking last, movies the, final the last things I saw was that the hedgehog <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so yeah. good it was um it was fun though because we went with a big group of people we got almost the entire theater um, blocked out with a, a really cool group of folks and they had special like blue martinis that they were serving for the, for the movie and they had onion rings that were like the golden rings from sonic that's adorable and i was like yes i love this this is a dumb tie-in but i'm definitely eating these and they that were sounds delicious. so fun right now going to a movie with friends having a right? drink ah. oh some tasty um. You know what I want is I want something like hot and fresh from a restaurant that hasn't sat in a delivery driver's <laughs> car for like 45 minutes. And like, God bless all of the delivery drivers. You are making the pandemic tolerable and you're <laughs> providing us with creature comforts that we're all missing. So seriously, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. But man, I miss getting something like fresh from a restaurant that's yeah. been made and then is delivered to so your you don't table have to, like, and you can eat right there. And then you don't have to unpack it. all of the silverware and all the stuff and then you have all the cleanup. Mm. I miss restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. One day. Someday. Someday again, we will come back to you and spend lots of money at local businesses. More than we're already spending. And that's going to do it for our news for this week. When we come back, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. Stick with us. We'll see you in a minute. And now it's time for some announcements. January Patreon merch has shipped, so keep an eye on your mailbox if you are part of our divine membership level. And did y'all see Brittany's tweet that she sent out of the Among Us magnets? Mmm, they're gonna be fun for February. They're so cute. You can stick us on your refrigerator, on your filing cabinet. I'm trying to think what else is magnetic. Your dishwasher. They're these little individual Among Us style characters. I have an egg on my head, and Andrea has a banana. And yep. Simer is just normal as fuck with a cape. Yep, she's got a cape. Yeah, that is what. That is how I normally. <laughs> That's how you normally roll. <laughs> just wear a cape around. It's um, it's pretty fun. So if you're interested in learning about our Patreon exclusive merch, Patreon.com/slash/What'sGoodGames. Plus, have y'all checked out Britt and Jason's new podcast, The Co-op Show? Oh. Brittany launched a podcast. Yeah. And she does it with her husband, Jason. They talk about playing games together. It's fun. Something we've wanted to do for a really long time. And we're like, for shits and giggles, like, what the fuck else are we doing? Let's just, let's just launch this bitch. So we did. And it's been really fun to read some of the reviews and how we're getting some couples and partners listening to it together and finding games to play. And that's what we want to do is introduce people to games maybe they haven't heard of. And it gives me the warm and fuzzies. So thanks, everyone. You can download subscribe and rate with five star reviews on every podcast platform i believe that you find what's good games on yeah. or most of them yeah you got it the right. co-op show yeah yeah so do that help support for show also on saturday february 20th mark your calendars what's good games is going to be doing a stream in support of black history month we're going to be giving away tons of prizes and by tons of prizes i mean Tons of prizes. You guys can't see them, but right behind me is like a giant sea of cardboard boxes with prizes packed into them that we're going to be giving away prizes that I've been. What do I have in this first box that I grabbed? Oh, look at that! Some Astro A20s, brand oh. new. Boom! One of the many prizes. Throws it on the floor. Listen, it's well packaged. Okay, they're fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's a there's a ton of stuff here. I've got 
things from almost every publisher and there's lots of really fun collector's editions and stuff. So we're doing it all to raise money uh, for black charities. I'm working with our girl, Rihanna Emanuel. We're going to have lots of special guests like friend of the show, Khalif Adams, among others. So hopefully you guys will be able to stop by. I'm going to have more details on that for you next week, but mark your calendars. Hopefully you can swing by at some point next Saturday, February 20th. And that's it for announcements. Welcome back, everybody. This is the second segment of the What's Good Games podcast. And this week's segment is brought to you by Fixture Gaming. The Fixture S1 was created by gamers for gamers who love the Nintendo Switch and their Pro Controller, but want to be able to play on the go. The original patented design connects the Nintendo Switch to the Pro Controller for a comfortable, precise, portable play, offering an alternative to using Joy-Cons. The Fixture S1 is designed to be exceptionally ergonomic, balancing the screen weight directly over your hands, reducing screen rotation, and minimizing strain on your wrists. Fixture S1's patented two-axis design allows you to smoothly and easily adjust the angle and height of your switch, providing stability and balance in any playing position for optimal comfort and gaming performance. In addition to maximizing adjustability, the metal friction hinges also allow Fixture S1 to fold down compactly. What's great about the Fixture S1 is that it can be used in handheld or in tabletop mode. One accessory with multiple uses, who doesn't love that, right? I absolutely love my Fixture S1. You guys may remember me talking about this device back when it had a different name and it was still in prototype form. It was called the Switch Fix. And see, they even got my little name on there, which I love. Um, but now they are the Fixture S1. And what's great about it is that it's super adjustable. So when you're playing, you know, for the many times when I need to go shake my trees and dig up my fossils and Animal Crossing late at night, and you wanna not use the Joy-Cons, it allows you to use your Pro Controller. It's great for games that require a lot more dexterity, games like Hades, for example, or may you're, maybe you're playing Doom on your Switch, right? And you want a little bit more control, you don't wanna use the little nubbins on the Joy-Cons, and you wanna use your Pro Controller, but you don't wanna set your Switch, like, with a kickstand, this is the device for you. This device is super handy and it allows me to be able to still charge my Switch with a USB-C cable without having to disconnect it from the holder. And I love that. They also have a compact carrying case that's going to be coming out very soon, which is currently available on their Indiegogo page and will be making its way to their Amazon store very soon. If you wanna get your hands on a Fixture S1 and take your Nintendo Switch gaming to the next level, head to fixturegaming.com and use the code WGG for $5 off. You can also head to the Fixture Gaming Amazon store since you know that you're on Amazon shopping for stuff anyway and buy your Fixture S1 there as well. Please check the show notes for the link, but again, head to FixtureGaming.com and use code WGG to get $5 off of your order. And happy Switch Gaming, everybody. Knowing that you two have very similar games that you're going to be talking about, I am going to start things off with the very mature-rated, the Division 2 reanimated event. So I talked a little bit about... <sighs> exactly. Well, not quite exactly, but... Okay. I talked about this briefly on the show last week, but I jumped back into the into the Division 2, and I'm super excited because the game looks gorgeous on PlayStation 5. 
It loads super quick. DC has never looked this good. The art looks all amazing. It really reminds me a lot of what the art teams did on Assassin's Creed and how that game looks really great on PS5. And so was really happy to get back to DC, even did a couple of missions in New York. All of it looks great. So the reanimated event that's happening, it was part of this crossover that's going through February 14th, I believe, or 15th for the thing that we saw at the Resident Evil Showcase that Britney hosted. And I originally thought it was just going to be apparel items, but it's not. So there's a whole reanimated mode that you activate, this event that you activate in the game. And then every mission that you do, the enemies that you shoot, if you don't kill them with headshots, they come back to life. Ah, hell yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that sounds like a Britney thing. Yeah, and when you kill them with headshots, they explode in this giant green poof, and it's Ooh. amazing. Oh, it's a green poof. Interesting. Yeah. What did it's enemies really look like? It's really satisfying. So all of the enemies, unfortunately, are just still the division oh, enemies. Okay. Uh, Do they basically just get, like, just, like, stand back up after yeah. the ragdoll down? <laughs> yeah, so when you kill the enemies without headshots, um, they fall over like they normally do. And then, like, a second or two goes by, and then, like, there's, like, this little, like, a light lightning bolt that, like, goes through them in this Zeus green mist. Zeus is reanimating them? Yeah, this oh, green shit, mist comes bastard. out of them. And then they stand, they stand back up and do this, like, little weird zombie wiggle. And then they start attacking you like normal mm. into it okay cool the power yeah. of the gods yeah compels you so is that how again. you get the re gear is by killing those guys yeah so you get the re gear by doing missions mm. and getting a certain amount of xp and completing events in the world and it was multiple days long and so you earn stars in the game and then the stars you collect you can be turned in for caches and then each of the caches has like a random item inside. And then there's like whole sets of stuff you can collect. You can also buy them with money if you prefer. If you're like, I don't want to grind through this event. I'd rather just give you some money and get all the cosmetic stuff. You can do that as well. But that takes the fun out of it. <laughs> so um, I got to the last level, but I didn't, I don't think I've unlocked the last box yet. There's like 10 total caches you can get, but there's lots of different outfits. I still haven't gotten... Claire's jacket. That's the uh, jacket I want. The, the red, red jacket. The red jacket. Yeah. Yeah. That's the But I do have Leon's pants with a little police <laughs> with a little police badge on it. Oh Kennedy's pants. Cute. That's cute. And I have Jill's boots, I think. Jill's shoes. Oh. I don't so have it's just a complete, like a hodgepodge yeah. outfit, or do they, or do they have a complete like have, Leon outfit? Yeah, no, they have complete outfits, okay, but like obviously, as you go through and you open, you only get one piece at a time, and yeah. then you have to keep doing the working on the event to, gotta, to gotta complete do a little the grind. full outfit. Yeah, got a little gear grind. Exactly, grinding. That's right, grinding with the undead. Mm. Ooh, ooh, yeah, tasty. But it was fun. Oh. I was playing with Khalif. And Whiskey Jack and Renjamin, um, two members, of, well, actually all three of them are members of the Agents of WGG Division Clan. We went to the Summit, which is a relatively recently added item, which is essentially like a horde mode, which is like a hundred floors of a skyscraper that you're just going up one floor at a time. Oh boy. To, and we made it to floor time. 31 before we called it quits at like 2 a.m. Oh yeah. shit. I'd be like, that's pretty good. I'd be very tired. Yeah, it was a it was a grind, but I got a lot of great gear. I love that they are making the exotic drops a lot faster because this was one of my biggest complaints with over 100 hours into the division. I had only gotten one piece of exotic gear to drop in the world that I didn't get from like a special like DLC pack or like a pre-order bonus. 
And that to me felt so egregious. I'm like, hey, I'm playing this game. I'm clearly grinding a lot. I want the high-end gear. Obviously, like, don't give it away like candy, but like you have to give me something I can chase. Give me a quest line or a specific goal. Don't just make it all RNG. And so when I was playing the summit and when I was doing the reanimated event, what was great is that I was able to turn on targeted loot and get specific drops. And I picked up five more exotics just in that one eight hour play session I did. Wow. We didn't spend all we didn't spend all eight hours in the summit. Okay. I was sorry, I was just laughing. We got five in eight hours and I'm just like, oh my God, that's a whole day. <laughs> no, but like five pieces of, of exotic gear in a like a single like long session, that's not really good. I know, really good I know. It just it it took me down memory lane of my MMO grinding days and I was just <laughs> <laughs> laughing at the stupidity of myself and what I used to do. It was a lot. There was a lot of, there is a lot of grinding. And I don't think I can do it anymore. I mean, not as much. I'll obviously, depending on the game, would do some of it, but not as freely as I once did, let me tell you. When you're living off that white You gotta work for your grind. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, my patience for grinds that don't have rewards is growing pretty thin. You know, and I think like a lot of games are getting smarter about the way they do in-game economies to try to balance like hey we still want to give players a reason to chase yeah and a reason to grind because the grind can be fun right like i had a great time playing with those guys even though a lot of the stuff that i got dropped i just you know dismantled or sold but you know you're chasing that like one magical piece and i think like overall like the gameplay itself needs to be fun which is why i spend so much time in destiny and talk about destiny all the time is because the gameplay loop is really well designed and some games aren't, you know, and so I'm excited to go back. I just wish that there was more things to do that weren't just repeats of the same stuff over and over again. But I did enjoy the reanimated event and how they brought kind of some of those pieces of Resident Evil into the Division world. And they had no reason to do this, but it just <laughs> felt like it fit, right? Because the Division's all about an infection. Obviously, Resident Evil about an infection. And it was a cool crossover event. So it's... Um, I think only going on for another couple of days. So if you're listening to the podcast early, uh, you might still be able to get in. Get that gear. Look like Leon Kennedy. Get that jacket and look like Claire. Yeah, I want to. I want that jacket. Just give me... Just give me the jacket. I just want it. She wants her fancy red leather jacket. That's all she wants. Mm -hmm. She doesn't want Jill's boots. She doesn't want Leon's pants. When I mean, I... Leon's pants are pretty great, though. Well, okay, maybe she does want Leon's pants. She wants to get in Leon's pants. I want to get in Leon's pants. His <laughs> pants would look real good on my floor, just saying. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> so you don't really want to get into his pants so much as you want to get him out of his pants. <laughs> yeah, I want to get him out of his pants on his pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. thanks, Simon. Nailed it. Yeah. And I do want to make a disclaimer, because I know that there's probably people out there that play a lot of The Division that are like, Buddy Andrea... The reanimated event isn't just for Resident Evil. And I'm like, yes, you're you're correct. It's not. But they're specifically tying this one in to the Resident Evil gear sets that they're doing so you can get the Resident Evil specialty apparel cash keys. So I just want to make that clarification before I get added in the comments of people being like, actually. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> I feel like we need to give that person a name because I feel like they come up quite often in our conversations. Maybe like Hubert. You know, Hubert. Hubert is out there somewhere. Hubert's not bad only because I feel like there's not very many people actually named Hubert at this point in time. Yeah. (laughs) Hubert. Fairly safe. 
fairly We're going to now get a tweet from somebody being like, my name is Hubert. My what do you got against Hubert's? I don't know. It just sounded like a Hubert kind of thing to say. I don't know. Sorry, Hubert. I forgot that was a name, but yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's our next one star review. We'll be probably from a Hubert next week. Hubert lover. <laughs> Hubert <laughs> lover and Pikachu and consenting Pikachu. That's what we want. Yeah. Hubert lover and consenting Pikachu. <laughs> and then we'll be good. I was just looking through the patch notes here trying to find the, the dates for when oh, this Resident Evil scrolls. event is over. Oh, but cool. I thought for sure, oh, the 15th. So yeah, that's when the login rewards end. So basically Valentine's Day, you can get your boo. You can play, you can shoot a bunch of people in the head, get some fun rewards. And uh, I don't know, do something else the next day. I don't know what you're going to do. PR pitched by Christine Steimer. There you go. Whoa. What's more loving than killing people? <laughs> On Valentine's Day. On Valentine's Day. Not a lot. I mean, wasn't there another big but per- game that came out on Valentine's Day last year? Mm. Oh, at one year, Persona 5 came out on Valentine's Day. A couple years yes. ago. That's two years ago, right? Yeah. Two, was it two? Mm. I think so. Three years? I don't know. 2018? What is time? I don't know. <laughs> time has lost literally all meaning to me, so I don't know. It happened at some point in the past. That's all that matters. It's true. Mm-hmm. So we know that it existed at one point. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Steimer, yeah, you're wearing a very cute strawberry cow I hoodie. I am wearing the greatest <laughs> hoodie ever created, and it is, yeah, it's the strawberry cow hoodie. So it's got the little little strawberry bells in the in the hood, and then on the on the, the pouch here. And when Brittany showed this to us a little bit ago, I don't know, was it last fall? No, it came out like a month ago, no, right? But she showed us last ball. It was on oh, pre-order. when it was on pre-order yeah. from Insert Coin Clothing. Thank you so much to Dan and the entire team over there. We've worked with them a really long time, and they sent us all these strawberry cow hoodies. So. I was stoked. Like when she when she showed it to me, I was like, "Oh my god, I like, I love this. I love this so much. This is goofy and adorable." And I wasn't sure because it's been a while since I've gotten anything from Insert Coin Clothing. Um, I wasn't sure like if I would like the hoodie style, um, but I'm kind of obsessed with it. Like it's, it's a lighter, thinner, like kind of drapier hoodie, which I love because I really hate when a hoodie is really thick and stocky and kind of just bulky. feels stiff. Yeah, stiff and bulky, like not the kind of hoodie style I'm really into. But this is not only really cozy, like the inside is oh, like the really, really <laughs> so nice soft. soft. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's it's thin but still warm. So Look A plus plus. Look at how cute it is. It's so, it's cute. so cute. I'm wearing a small. It is adorable. It's adorable. I love it. Ugh. Yeah. Insertcoinclothing.com. So thank you so much for sending this to me because I'm like, this is my new favorite hoodie. And I was begging Dan to bring back the Afterlife Mass Effect design. That was oh. part of their initial rollout back in 2010. I think when they launched, they just had their 10 year anniversary last year. Because they sent a bunch of amazing Mass Effect pins as well, enamel pins. And I was like, listen, I had to get rid of that Afterlife shirt a long time ago. I washed it too many times. I shrunk it. Like, I just, it didn't fit anymore. I was like, I had to go. And then I wanted to buy a replacement and it was out of the store. And I was like, no, bring you back. He's like, you never know. It was really cool. It was a pink and purple afterlife shirt. Yeah. Aww. They've got some cute stuff. Turns out we like pink and purple around here. <laughs> Who would have known? You don't say. <laughs> was it obvious? No. Anywho, I bring that up because it's a Story of Seasons hoodie, yes. part of their Story of Seasons line. Yes. And you have been playing Story of Seasons Friend of Mineral Town. So Brittany gave me this code. Um, she was like, hey, Fran, do you want to play this game? Because the new one's coming out soon. And I was like, yeah, let me give it a 
whatever. I, I, I've got nothing better to do with my days at this point. <laughs> um, and I needed something, but like I haven't wanted to play any games. I just like, just, I don't know. It is a, an I aversion that I have at this yeah. moment in time. Yes. Um, but so, yeah, so I grabbed my Switch. I downloaded the code that Brittany gave me. So thank you to the PR team who also provided me this code. Uh, and I just was like, okay, let me like just futz around in here. And I got to do the very, okay, this is going to sound dumb but i do really enjoy clearing fields yes <laughs> like, me too there's something like yes. there's something yeah it's like it's like relaxing mundane tasks sometimes yeah. are meditative mm-hmm. and you just i'm like i pick up the weeds i put them in the box they are sold great like i don't know there's something <laughs> you know you're desperate when you're selling your weeds that's, that's like you're a beginning right, like, i'm like i'm a broke ass farmer i actually so you can start it um on normal mode or on like easier mode where they just give you more gold i started on easier mode i was and like they give you, know you turnips right turn Seeds yeah, they give you yeah. turnips. I was like, we, we're having a hard enough go at life. Oh yeah, I don't. Oh yeah, just fuck it. Easy mode for the farming game, sure. Uh, <laughs> and so now, yeah, like I, it took me a little bit to get used to it because I kind of skipped a bunch of the tutorials because I was like, I don't want to listen to you tell me how to play this game. I'll figure it out. Um, and I did eventually, <laughs> but it, yeah, it was cute. Like, I think it's interesting that it's, it's more simplified than some of the other ones that I am used to playing like Stardew Valley. I played a lot of Stardew Valley. Um, and this one just feels like slightly more streamlined in the fact that, yeah, you don't really like have to place stuff anywhere. Like the stuff, the buildings are already built. So you go to the farm, the farm is just done. Um, but what you have to do is populate it. So you have to like, buy the cows and do the things and plant the fields. And um, so I was like, okay, this, this feels like something that I could definitely get into, but I don't know how much I want to necessarily play of this. Cause I really want to play the new one that you're talking about. That's coming out relatively yeah. soon. Um, so Pioneers this is like my of olive town is the name of that one. So I repeat pioneers of olive town pioneers of olive town. When is that coming out? It's coming out March 23rd, I believe is the release Ooh, date. Soon. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a good point you bring up about how it feels so streamlined. Cause this is a remake of a game boy advance game. So mm. makes sense. Right. When you, when yeah. you think of it that way. So it's very like simplified, like Simer said, but in the future, like pioneers of olive town, that's when you're going to have to probably the barns might already come, but it's definitely like upgrade this, upgrade that much more customization, et cetera. It's a good like starter into the story of seasons game. Cause it's very simple in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay, this is nice for me right now because I don't have to think very hard about it. Um, which is something that uh-huh. very much appeals to me. <laughs> a very like mindless sort of I'm just taking care of shit game was like, yes, okay, cool. Um, so yeah, I think I'm I'm really gonna like Pioneers of All of Town when that comes out because I'm like, yes, I'm kind of like I could feel myself being like, yes, I could definitely get into a farming game again. Yeah. Just although I had horrifying flashbacks because um some of the horses and the art style does remind me of Harvest Moon. Like I do love, I love the like the chubby cow. Oh, it hurts my heart in a good way. Um, and so, the, <laughs> but I remember accidentally like hitting my horse with a hammer in yeah. Harvest Moon because yeah. that was the thing you could do with the horse is like standing next to a tree and you want to hit the tree to get the fruit to come down. Um, definitely smacked my horse instead. Wait, did you kill your horse? No, it just got really mad at me, which rightfully so. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you hit it with but I was hor- I was just like, <gasps> first of all, I was shocked that the game would let you do that at all. Like, if yeah. I have two things there that are within targeting distance, why on earth would you think I would target my horse? Because people are terrible. People but like, are why would terrible. you give the people, why would you give people an option to abuse their horse? Yeah, no, no I agree. Exactly. It's a bad option. 
it was weird. Um, so because I wasn't expecting it to be able to hit the horse, so I was like, "Well, he's after the tree, but I'm sure it'll just hit the tree." And it's hard. Why would it not hit the tree? <laughs> right, because you can switch through your items because you have to brush your horse, especially with like your cows. You know, you have to brush them and milk them and give mm-hmm. them treats and stuff. And if you accidentally have your sickle out, you're gonna slice it and get up some beef. You're gonna have beef, and you don't want that. Yeah. But yeah, they uh, then they lose affection points, and then they don't perform as well in the festivals, and they don't make as good of milk, and it's a whole thing. But I think they yeah. got rid of that in this one, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You okay. can't do that here. I'm just saying Thank I God. had a flashback. I had like a PTSD yeah. moment where I was like, oh my God, when I hit my horse with a hammer and it was really mad and that was upsetting. Um, but no, you can't do that at this one. You're fine. <laughs> Thank God. Thank you. Yeah. No, no, no. Yay. Okay. Oh, I'm happy you're liking it. Yeah. And the new one's yes. coming out just next month. So I think you're like probably lit a little farming fire under your ass. And now yeah, you're like in the I'm mood for it. I'm excited to like make my, although... So like when I was when I was hoeing my field, Ooh. when I was getting out there and doing a little hoe work, um, it gives you like random coins, which I was like, oh, no, this is like lotto for me. I'm definitely I just like going to go around and just like mine minefield this and just hit random squares and hope that I get the jackpot because I don't want to do the whole field. Although eventually I'm probably going to end up doing the whole field. Did you come across uh. any moles? Any what? Moles when you're tilling no, your land. Oh, no. Yeah. I just got money, which is Uh-oh. like, who doesn't love money? I know, right? If only you worked that way. Finding random life. money while you're doing hard labor. And it, and it nicely explodes out of the ground in a very fun, satisfying way. Mm, yes. Yeah. I would like more of that. I would like that to happen in real life. I would like to hit the ground. <laughs> money to explode out of the ground. <laughs> gold coins to just shoot out of the ground like a fountain. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Yeah, I'm into this idea. <laughs> yeah. Yay! So you know we'll work on that. <laughs> Elon Musk, this feels like a problem you could solve. <laughs> Make money explode out of the ground. <laughs> Where are the gold coin fountains? The geysers. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, <clears throat> I'm interested in playing. I don't think I'm going to play this particular yeah. port. I think I'm going to wait for the friends of Olive town. And then I will check that out. Um, the Brit, you checked out a preview event for harvest moon. One world. I did. Yeah. So I've talked about this a lot and Simon always calls me on my bullshit. I always complain. <laughs> I always yes. tend to complain about harvest moon, the IP as of late, because it's obviously, so back in the day, harvest moon was harvest moon. Then the dev team split off, created story of seasons, but Natsumi retained the rights to the harvest moon IP, which is why we've seen the series kind of do some weird things in the past. And as someone who's been very passionate about harvest moon for a very long time, I am just a little critical and I, I want them to do better. So when they reached out and was like, Hey, do you want to see this preview event for harvest moon one world? I was like, yes, please. Like, I want, I want to see what you're doing. So it wasn't hands-on, but I did get to see a 30-minute uh, presentation. I get, got to interview the devs and whatnot and ask all of the burning questions. So Harvest Moon One World is coming to PS4 and Switch also next month on the 2nd. And it's coming to Xbox One later. And then Europe, you're getting it only for the Switch on March 5th. So, oh. Yeah. So the, the get story, wrecked. get wrecked, sorry. So the story of Harvest Moon One World is aka the harvest goddess has peaced out. She's left everyone only with potato seeds. So pretty, anyone can, everyone can only eat potatoes. And she's left the harvest wisps, uh, the knowledge, and she's given them seeds and you have to go talk to them and pretty much like restore all of the crops and find the harvest goddess because that bitch just left everyone and no one's really happy about it. 
So this year marks the 25th anniversary of the Harvest Moon series. And so the devs emphasize that they are trying to evolve the series over what they've done the past few games. They want to add new and innovative features, create a pseudo open world vibe and add more seas and animals and characters than the last games have had, which all sounds great on paper, but it's like, okay, well, how are you going to deliver that? And so here are some of the features that they're kind of excited about. Some of them I think are cool. Some of them I'm kind of like scratching my non-existent beard, but we'll get into that. So when you first start, you can customize your character. The limit It seems very limited in the sense that it's just like your hair, your eyes, and your skin tone. You can be male or female, but like, hey, it is what it is. And this whole like, the whole thing that I talked about the wisps during the story, this is like the new thing that they're doing, and I'm not sure how I feel about this direction. So because this is going to be a pseudo open world, they want to encourage exploration. And so then thus they've developed the wisp system. So there are hundreds of these in the world and the wisps is how you primarily will get your seeds. Now, if you've played any har- farming game in the past, you know, you know, you usually you can't save buy them. them. Well, I asked them like, well, can I ever buy them? And they said, if you've sold enough of a certain crop, then it sounds like a store might carry them eventually. And then you oh. can go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what you have to huh. do is you have to go around and find these little dudes on your map, talk to them, they'll give you seeds, and they'll eventually, like, respawn, especially the common ones. So if you find, like, a turnip wisp, you'll be like, okay, cool, I got this. But then what you can do is you can check your map, and then your map will mark all future turnip wisps on your map. So you know exactly where you need to go to get that. Okay, well, that's good at least. Yeah, so that's, like, helpful. Um, But there are going to be certain conditions to get, like, the more rare ones where the example they give was, like, maybe go by the volcano at midnight, and you might find who knows what. Like, a a more rare example. The rock lava the rock Seed. lava and like crop. like, go by the volcano at midnight and <laughs> die. what you might find. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Liquid die. death. Or I guess molten death. <laughs> molten death. And like I said, the common wisps will respawn more often than the rare ones. But um, yeah, it sounds like if you want to get some interesting, interesting crops, you're going to have to go out and do some exploration. Um, and the other thing that they're talking about is this request system. And so to unlock festivals, for example, you have to fulfill requests by the different villagers. And there are, I'll talk about this in a sec, there are five locations in this game. So you have like five different towns. So one of them is like a beach town. One of them is like a snow town. One of them is like a grasslands. And each area has its own culture and its own characters. So as you encounter these characters, they're going to have requests for you. And sometimes it might be as simple as like, yo dog, give me an ear of corn and I'll give you animal medicine and cool. But then you obviously like grow your affection with that person. But then someone might be like, hey, give me 10 pieces of lumber and I'll open up a brand new festival for you. And then that's how it sounds like you unlock festivals is through this request system, which is like an interesting choice. We'll see how it plays out. They made it seem like your usual festivals of like the fishing festival, the animal festival, et cetera, will already be like baked in. But if you want to unlock some of the more unique ones, you're going to have to do these requests for people. But they sound relatively easy. There's no time limit on them or anything like that. So it's not like going to be a huge pain in the ass, but definitely something a little different. Um, the other thing that's very different is what they're calling the expando farm. So essentially, you're going to be able to pack up your farm and like a capsule and take it with you anywhere you want. 
And so if you what? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, this is like so it's like Ant Man where you just shrink everything or down like, and put like it in Mary your Poppins bag. Yeah. I was thinking of Dragon Ball Z because they had little. Okay, well, we all well. have different references. But <laughs> <I'm sure that's laughs> yeah, something like more or less is the same thing. But essentially, you know, if you start, and I'm unclear if you can start, if you can choose where you start your farm, but if you start it in one spot and you're like, you know what, I really like that beach town. I want to have my farm over there. You can like literally pack up all of your buildings and your animals and everything and take them with you to that other location. And there will be fast travel. So you won't have to always run back and forth, which. Is pretty nice. The one thing that won't travel with you, however, though, is your crops. And I think the reason for this is because your crops can mutate depending on where you plant them. So like, let's say Samer's like, I'm a badass farmer. I have a tomato seed. I'm gonna plant it in this icy terrain. You're going to grow an icy tomato mutation. And now you have icy mm-hmm. tomatoes. And so I think they don't want you to have to like, you know, try to purposefully grow a mutation and have to pick it up and go somewhere else if you just want to have to move everything. So it sounds like I you might... I see tomatoes. Yeah, I see tomatoes. Yeah. I don't know why you'd want one. I mean, I There's feel like... There's strawberry you... cows that make strawberry milk in another game. I feel like I see tomatoes <laughs> are the least of our worries. Fair. You know what? Fair. That's a very good point. So yeah, I mean, you can then mutate. And I think each crop has three mutations uh, depending on where you plant it. You know, if you plant it on a beach, it becomes like an elongated tomato or something like that. Ew. Yeah, it's 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 a thing. That's not a great name. Yeah, an elongated tomato. (laughs) That was probably like my own filter on it. All I know is it's a much longer tomato. It's a very Brit thing to say. Um, So like a Roma tomato, but longer. Yeah, like an eggplant shaped tomato. I have a pic. Okay, let me. I had to. I, I I wrote it down. I wrote it down. I was like, I need to know what this is actually called. Okay, so it is called. A give me some theme music, ladies, while I find this. Here we go. Boop, 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 no, okay, it's called boop. a San Marzano, but the example is an elongated tomato, and you <laughs> <laughs> and you grow it by planting it at the beach. I don't know. I don't make them rules, but that's that's it. That's okay. how it works. Um, sure. Why not? Why not? <laughs> I great. often grow my San Marzanos at the beach, <laughs> and they become elongated. You know what? To each their own time. If you like your elongated tomatoes, I'm not here to judge you. I'm only here to love you. No, I don't want the elongated tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. I want those icy bitches. Give me those. You can get <laughs> those. refreshing as fuck. Icy you just stick them in your freezer. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. The other thing that's... So earlier how I was talking about the wisps and how maybe you have to go to the volcano by midnight is stamina is done much differently. Usually in these games... You have a set bar of stamina. You wake up with it. You know, it depletes over the day like real life. But you can replenish it by eating like real life. But you want to be in bed before a certain amount of time because then your character might sleep in too late or you don't have as much stamina to work with the following day. you'll pass out. Or you'll pass out. Yeah, I did that a lot in uh, Friends of Mineral Town. So it's done differently in the sense that they want you to be exploring all hours of the day. So they're making it much easier for you to regain your stamina so you don't have to be worried about being in bed at a certain time. Which is kind of like a hard concept oh, for me to nice. wrap my head around. Yeah, it sounds good <laughs> right? on paper. But. No, it feels like something I actually want IRL. Like, can oh, we make girl. this a thing? <laughs> it's like a constant caffeine drip that like won't kill oh, you. Like Ivy, yeah. Mm-hmm. But other than that, there's your typical fishing, mining, cooking, and crafting. You can change and add little items to your home. I think they're mostly cosmetic unless you want to add like a bigger closet or something. Then obviously you can hold more shit, a bigger... You know, like box to hold all your tools in, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
you can have, I thought of you, Steimer, during this, animals. You can have wild rabbits, foxes, bears, and tigers. In I your- saw someone petting a random bear in that trailer, and I was like, that seems dangerous. Yeah. Well, you love animal friends. I do, but I've just met, and I, we would, I wouldn't walk up to a bear and be like, hi, friend. Well, yeah, I asked Peaches, your Far Cry friend. Oh, my God. Peaches. Yeah, no, the Far Cry animals are Oh, amazing. Hamburger. I love them. Cheeseburger was the bear, all right? Cheeseburger Cheese- was the bear. Uh, Peaches was the Boomer cougar. was the dog. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, was the be- that was the best part about Far Cry. Anyways. These animals, these wild animals, once you befriend them, they will stay in your barn with all of your other animals. And I had a They very, don't eat them? I, that was my question. I was like, that's a really cute <laughs> idea. <laughs> but am I, am I supposed to believe that this tiger will not eat my three sheep? And they're like, no. Right. It's all love and all friends. They're all very friendly. Yeah. All all right. of, yeah. So, for example, if there's reindeer, camels, horses, you can f- ride those, but you can't ride the tiger, I asked. And they have no... Aww. I know, right? Boo. I know. But do you have to provide, like, because for a lot of the animals, the produce animals specifically, um, you have to, like, buy feed for them, and then they, whatever, they make milk, or they'll make the eggs. So for the ones that are just kind of hanging out, do you have to buy food for them too? Or do they are they just like magically in a weird stasis where they don't need to be fed? Their words to me was that they're there just to be taken care of. In the sense, because I asked them, I said, are they going to produce, like, can I shear my tiger and sell its fur, like, without killing? Like, what's the point of me having it in my barn? And they said, yeah, they're just there to be taken care of. So I didn't get a specific answer about they're whether pets. I still need to feed it. I mean, yeah. hopefully not. Because, like, out hopefully of this not because if they're not producing, <laughs> this is so like <laughs> economic. <laughs> Being like, if you aren't Suspend producing, suspend your disbelief about the animal you- <laughs> cruelty for a second. Yeah, right. But I'm just like, if you aren't producing at my farm, you are getting fed. Like, you need to have a purpose here. Yeah. And while I love the idea of having a tiger that's just hanging out, I also need that tiger to pull its weight. That's it. That's that was my point. But it sounds like they're just there to look good. So if you want a tiger in your barn living alongside your cows, that's going to be an option that's, for you. That's going to be a weird thing for you <laughs> it's to do. It's going to be a do, thing you, you can, can do. do. So of course I had to ask about the romance and um it sounds like there's five bachelors, five bachelorettes. Each character has five unique heart events. Uh, which obviously, as their affection towards you grows, you usually have like a little cut scene that, you know, mm-hmm. signifies that next transition of you're taking your relationship to the next level. I asked, I didn't ask, but someone also asked about same-gendered marriages. And unfortunately, they're not allowed. They said, quote, we want to make sure we do it right when we do it. We see the series moving towards this. But my thought is like, then hire people. Representation is important. And diversity yeah. is also important on your development teams. I personally don't see any reason why, like, that to me, like, yes, of course, you want to do this right. You want to be respectful, but then hire the people that can help you do this right. It just seems kind of like, like a How out. difficult is it to do... It's not. Same-sex marriages right. Like, I mean... Well, that's what I feel like you already wrote the love story. Just love change out love. the pronouns. Just, like, yeah, like, how hard... I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. This unless is- they want to make, like, a specifically, like, maybe a gay character. And they're like, we want to make sure we don't have a whole bunch of straight people writing this character. Well, then hire people who can write it for you. I'm not sure what their point was. But other than that, then just make it so everybody can just marry everybody and we can all be happy. Yeah, everybody's pansexual, man. Yeah, yeah. here we go. So, I mean, that's just kind of a bummer and kind of like a... You can do better. Antiquated. Come on, Natsume. Yeah, you can do it. So other than that, though, the features, I already talked about the five different towns and locations. We talked about the elongated tomatoes, the the icy tomatoes, the mutations you can get, um, and how you can teleport. So, I mean, like, 
those are like some pretty big deals and some of them in the sense that it's so different from kind of what we're used to in typical har- farming games rather like having to find the wisps to get the seeds is kind of odd I don't know if odds the word for it I'm not sure how I feel about it I won't know until I actually start playing it um, but watching watching the game I think I think they're going in watching the game in action I think they're going in the right direction I don't know if they're quite there yet. It just looks kind of barren and kind of empty. And this was one of my main concerns when I first saw the trailer for it is they're going for a pseudo open world. And I understand that. But if you don't do that correctly, regardless of the genre of game it is, it's just going to look like a bunch of flat land for no that serves real no purpose, no real purpose, rather. And watching the character running around, it just is like this looks not very engaging. That's what. So when I was. Watching the yeah the trailer that Andrea had pulled up here, I was kind of just like, it, uh, yeah, I think I think it felt yeah it felt empty. It felt a little. Oops, oh, sorry. I was like, <laughs> I was like, someone's talking to me in Hold my ear. Uh, oh no! I think it's also partly the art design. Yeah. Um, because the sand is just sand. There doesn't seem to be a lot of like extra detail to it. It's just kind of like here's the base layer of these different regions. And then there's, I'm assuming as you wander around, there's probably a little bit of differentiation, but so I was curious cause I, I'd have been a while since I'd seen the pioneers of all of town. Um, mm. the, the competing game against this. Yeah. And I feel like it looks better. Like it does. the environments just feel like they have, Oh my God, look at the ox. He's so cute. Uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, different game. Um, but yeah, like the environments just seem like a little bit more well thought out. Um, obviously, I don't know if this one's like designed to be more quote unquote open world or not. But I definitely agree with the criticism of like, if you're going to do that, you need to make sure that it feels interesting. Otherwise, and it's intimate almost. It just feels like you're just watching something from a bird's eye view and it's not incredibly interesting. Yeah, I uh, mean, even some of the environments they're showing in the footage that we're showing at youtube.com slash what's good games. Just looks like there's so many vacant areas, and Speak, it's yeah. like, what's the what's the point of that? Like, why didn't you just fill it in? Yeah, and during that trailer that we were just showing, you could see some of the mining, and I don't know how much of a pain in the ass it would be to like still shot that and just keep that on there, but I think that's like the epitome of when I saw the mining, which is a pretty big like staple and deal for the these kind of games. It's like, are you serious? Is that all? Is that all it is? Yeah. It's just this huge open area with like three or four like ores and veins and you just walk up to them, you hit them, there'll be a crack underneath it, you fall down, you go on to the next level and then you look at a game like Story of Seasons and Stardew Valley where there's just so much involved with that. It's like a mini game all in itself, right? And you can spend hours just doing the mining and this just looks so barren and empty and like that's kind of like where I'm getting at is I think they have some good ideas. I think they're on the right track but I think they just need more time and they need to just kind of I don't I don't I don't know what to say here that's not gonna sound like an asshole but I hope like what I'm saying makes sense that you're on the right track here is I think this is probably gonna be the best Harvest Moon game that's released in recent memory recent history rather but yeah it's not necessarily like the world's highest praise yeah exactly and I don't want to like knock it before I play it yeah, but if you yeah. look at Story of Seasons, like you were saying, that's because that is the original Harvest Moon team. Like, those are the folks that made that game. Now they're just doing it under a different IP, and that's why yeah, it like, feels so good. Right. Even if you look at... I wish we could do this easily. Here, I can... Um, 
let me uh, let me just pull up the trailer for yeah Story for of both Seasons. because if you there's one in the in Pioneers of All of Town, um, and you can see kind of just a comparison of even the mining on yeah. both, um, and you know one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> uh, right. One uh, one minute is the timestamp for this. Nice. One moment, please. One She's pulling it up. That's what she said. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. But yeah, like I'm, I'm excited to play it. I'm excited to give it a shot because again, I want to encourage like steps in the right direction. But I think I'm just setting proper expectations here. So yeah, this is Story of Seasons. So like that's yeah. mining. That looks way more interesting already than what I just saw in the Harvest Moon one where you're basically just hitting one note at a time. Mm-hmm. And it didn't have, you know, a lot of the visual flair that those ones do. It is right. striking when you look at these trailers back to back, like how similar they're. Also, oh my God, those cows! Yes. Yeah, the cow and the ox. And like <laughs> even just wandering around this, I'm like, this looks so cute. I really, really want to play that one. And they also have, it's just been a while since I've seen this trailer. So it's kind of reminded me, <laughs> reminding me of yes. things. Um, but I was like, oh my God, the pets. And like the pets that follows you around. And then there's like races with them and you can take photos of them. And the things they've promised in Story of Seasons, you know, is more, show. yeah, more unique events than we've ever had. And and that's something I've always loved. Look how freaking cute that is. And I asked about the unique events, too, in um, Harvest Moon. And it sounds like, unless they just misunderstood me, that the unique events are only limited to heart, to bachelors and bachelorettes. Which mm. is really disappointing because even in Friends of Mineral Town... You'll constantly come across people who you can't romance, but you see them grow through these little unique events. And essentially, they're just triggered when you um, increase your affection level with everybody. When you hold an egg over your head and give it to them. They're like, we love you so much. They're like, thank you you for this giant egg. We appreciate you. Yeah. So, anywho, like, again, I'll just say what I said before. I think they're on the right track. They're making some good steps. Think they just need a little bit more time and maybe a little bit more polish. I think if it were me, I would suggest like delaying the game, make it look a little bit more visually appealing, a little bit more interesting, and just work on some fine tuning. Like you know, same gendered marriages would be great. You should you should do that, um, and making it you know adding more unique events, perhaps some textures to your land, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But anyhow, we'll see when the yeah. game comes out in a few weeks. It's interesting because you always, not you, I shouldn't say, I always want to ask the developer teams, you know, like, how do you feel about going head to head with what is clearly direct competition? And it's not often that you get two games like this that are so clearly the same concept, mm-hmm. like very obviously the same concept of the game going up against each other, one by the original team and then one by the current IP holder. Like, yeah. That just doesn't really happen. I mean, even when, you know, Bungie broke off and made Destiny and Halo was still happening, Halo and Destiny are just very different kinds of games, even though they obviously are still first-person shooters. Like, th- you couldn't compare them side by side, but these two games are, are very much like, yo, this is the same game. <laughs> yeah, and what's so interesting, too, is that this is the first time, besides Friends of Mineral Town, which sort of kind of counts, sort of kind of doesn't, that Story of Seasons is coming to a console like this. And so it's a huge debut for that team, and this is the first time that I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, but like when it comes to Harvest Moon, them coming to a console, because I haven't followed it so so closely. The last game did, but that was also a mobile game, too where mm-hmm. this is not. And so it's kind of like their first big like debut because primarily they're all on the DS. 
before this, so previously. So this is, it's a big deal and it's kind of exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm here for this competition. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think competition is important. I just think that you want to see both of these teams succeed, right? And it's clear to me that even just visually, the one of these games is superior to the other. And it just is... I feel like I don't want a team to ever be set up for failure and hopefully they each find an audience and find some success. But if nothing else, maybe this will push the team working on harvest moon to say, Hey, we need to do more innovation. If we want to compete with the story of seasons team, knowing that we're making literally the same style of game. Yeah. And I think, you're you're right, and I think that's kind of what they're trying to do with this whole like new Wisp system and whatnot. But I don't know how well that's going to work. And I guess like I mean, trial and error, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the Wisp system sounds interesting, but yeah. uh, I think we are very visual people at the end of the day. Like, and when a consumer sees like the two things side by side, I have to imagine they're going to go with the one that looks better, even yeah. if you know, the WISP system is super interesting and cool and unique or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, man, uh, next month, it's going to be a big one for us farming nerds. Hell yeah. yeah. Bust out that hoe and till that land. I'm going to be wearing this hoodie for the entire month. Fuck yeah. And I, Please wash it a few times. No, not at all. I want it to <laughs> smell like me. Uh, and <laughs> The cats will love it. It's going gonna, to smell like I've been working in the fields. <laughs> Oh, God, this is going to be tough to do for the month of March. (laughs) Pray for me, everybody. (laughs) As somebody who grew up in a farming state around many farmers, fields don't smell great. (laughs) No. (laughs) At least I'm not bringing a real cow around here. It's just on my hoodie. That's true. Cows smell real bad. They really do. But they're lovely creatures whose products I enjoy. Especially the strawberry ones. Oh, yeah. Mm. Wow. Well, thank you for that in-depth preview, and I look forward to hearing more about your farming explorations when these games come out. And that is going to do it for this episode of What's Good Games. We will be back next week. So until then, have a lovely weekend, everybody. Bye.